Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. Good morning, church family. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, we're so glad that you have joined us. Um, pray that you have a just receive a fresh word from God this morning. Pray that um, that God really speaks to you through the Holy Spirit this morning as you're watching online. As you can see, I'm outside in a New York City neighborhood. Just kidding, it's a backdrop, but it is good be, good to be back in New York City. We spent the last five months in Texas and Missouri, and while we enjoyed our time there, it's good to be back. Uh, it's good to to be back in the neighborhood, walk in the streets, and and all of those things, and and to feel that energy. And uh, can't wait to to see everybody in person again. It's sooner than later, I promise you that. Um, well, uh, for those of you who know me, you know that I love sports. I love watching sports. I love talking sports. I love playing sports. And this past February, I experienced uh, the enormous thrill of watching my Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes with an epic comeback in the fourth quarter, and I was able to celebrate that. Uh, and I've passed down my love for sports and competition to my son. Boston is super competitive. Uh, one of the things Boston and I like to do is play basketball together. And when we were in Texas, uh, we would go out about two or three times a week to a basketball court and we would play one-on-one. -on -one. But the problem was is that I wasn't getting much of a workout when we were playing. And so I had this idea. I said, Boston, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna, to uh, place a wager on our basketball games from here on out. And so we're going to go to 21 and I have to score 21 points without letting you score any. If you score one basket, you win the game. And if he won the game, I had to do something that I didn't want to do, like let him throw cold ice water on me while I was in the shower or, or uh, buy him Robux. Um, and if I won, he had to do something that uh, he didn't want to do, like fold the laundry or something, you know, some, or scratch my back or something like that. And so... Uh, when we added this element of this wager into it, um, the games got super competitive and we both got like a great workout in. And I bring this up because Paul in today's text is using the analogy of athletics as a metaphor for the Christian life. And so we are in part eight of our I Got the Joy series. And we're going through the letter to the Philippians. And my subtitle today is, All I Do Is Win. Okay? So we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 12 through 16. So it says this, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. 
Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Paul uses the analogy here of a runner to describe the Christian's spiritual growth. And in this passage, Paul gives us three keys to win in this race of the Christian life. So we're going to talk about how you can win in life, your spiritual life, okay? This is not three keys to having a successful life or three keys to wealth or three keys to having no problems. This is three keys to winning in your spiritual life, which is so much more important than anything in this world. So in order to win the race of the Christian life, we must walk away from our past. Walk away from our past. He says in verse 13, the first part, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. In verses 5 and 6 of this chapter, Paul lists seven things he puts confidence in before he met Christ. And we went into depth about those things last week. And then he basically says, all of the things I used to put my confidence in, all of the things you put your confidence in, forget about all of those things. Forget all of those things because they don't matter in comparison with Christ. He says, Christian, forget about all of the things you have put your confidence in outside of Christ. Any achievements, any sins, any wounds, any hurts, any pain, any mistakes, any shame, any condemnation, forget about those things. We need to know that when the Bible tells us to forget about something or that God forgets about something, when the Bible says that, it doesn't mean fail to remember, okay? That's not what the Bible is talking about when it says forget, when God forgets our iniquities or, or when it tells us to forget. Um, God is not telling us to become spiritually senile or, or deniers of, of reality. Uh, to forget in the Bible means to no longer be influenced or affected by it, okay? For example, in Hebrews 10, 17, when God says, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. It does not mean that God has selective memory. That, that's not possible for God, okay? What he's saying is that I will no longer hold your sins against you. He's saying in Christ, your past sin does not affect your standing with me. So when Paul says he forgets the things behind him, he's saying those things he used to put confidence in, okay? no longer influences him, or he no longer gets a sense of worth from those things. In his commentary on Philippians, Peter O'Brien explains what Paul is saying when he, says, when he says, I forget those things which are behind. And he says this, Paul will not allow either the achievements of the past, or for that matter, his failures as a Christian to prevent his gaze from being fixed firmly on the finish line. In this sense, he forgets as he runs. I love that last line. He forgets as he runs. We don't walk away from our past and then run the race. We don't clean ourselves up and, and perfect ourselves and then start to become a Christian. No, as we're running the race uh, of this Christian life, we simultaneously forget those things 
in the past. What I did yesterday, the mistakes, the screw-ups, the mess-ups, I don't remember those anymore because I've repented of those things and, and God has erased those things and now I move forward. One of the big things that keep Christians from winning is shame from past sins and mistakes. Many Christians are experiencing shame from their past that continues to haunt them and keep them from moving forward, from taking their next steps. Shame is keeping you running in circles instead of running towards the finish line. Shame is more than just being embarrassed of what you've done, okay? Shame keeps you from seeing yourself the way God sees you. Shame keeps you from you being seen as forgiven even after you have repented and asked God to forgive you of your sins. Shame keeps you from seeing yourself as a child of God because you're thinking a true child of God, a true son or daughter of God would never do these things. And so shame keeps you from seeing yourself as a child of God. Shame keeps you from seeing yourself as a new creation in Christ with a new nature. The devil uses shame to pull you back into believing you are still controlled by your old sinful nature. Shame makes you feel unworthy of the grace of God. And if you feel this way, if you feel unworthy of the grace of God, I want to help you out. You're not worthy. I'm not worthy. None of us are worthy. But God so loved the world that he gave in his grace, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. His grace is undeserved and we're not worthy of it. But despite our unworthiness, when we receive Christ, he pours that grace and that love and that mercy and that forgiveness into our hearts because of him and his love for us. Maybe there are things in your past that you've done that you're ashamed of. Maybe the root of the things you're ashamed of is sexual. Maybe it's how you've mistreated people. Maybe your shame is because you've broken a promise with someone you love and it's ruined a friendship and you can't seem to get over it. You just have shame. You, you, shame is just constantly clothing you and covering you and weighing you down. If you've sinned, repent, ask God to forgive you and receive that forgiveness by faith and move on, move forward, okay? Because Jesus took every sin that you will ever commit upon himself and took the penalty of that sin on the cross. And so when we keep holding on to the sin after Christ has forgiven us, we're carrying an unnecessary burden and an unnecessary weight. You know, there are times where, where I, I sin and I fall short and I, I feel unworthy to pray. I feel too dirty to pray. I feel like God doesn't want to hear from me. And then, you know, I feel like I, I'm a hypocrite and I shouldn't be preaching. And, and all of these thoughts of shame start to enter my head. And that is exactly the place the devil wants you to be. And he wants you to be paralyzed and covered and weighed down with shame so that you don't feel comfortable going to God and running to God when God is really the only one that can forgive you. He's the only one that can set you free. He's the only one that can take away the shame. Yet the enemy, um, the enemy convinces us through shame that we can't go to the Father when we've fallen short and we've sinned. 
That's the strategy of the enemy, church. And the devil is a liar. Amen? If you believe the devil is a liar, I want you to type amen in the comments right now. If you don't type amen, I'm, I'm going to assume that you don't believe that the devil is a liar. Okay? Um, listen to this in Romans 8 and, chapter, and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. How much condemnation? A little condemnation? A medium level of condemnation? A lot of condemnation? No, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Some Christians live in shame because of their past, while others relish in their past. And here's what I mean by that. They are content in their spiritual, in their present spiritual life because of their past encounters with Christ, because of their past achievements in the church, or because of their past exploits that they've done for God. They're presently content and satisfied because of what they did back then. They're content now because they led someone to the Lord 10 years ago. They're content now because they were filled with the Holy Spirit when they were a teenager. They think they're fine spiritually because they've grown up in the church and have heard countless sermons, and they know the Bible uh, inside and out. And so they think they're spiritually okay, and they're fine, and they're dandy because of, of, of their upbringing and because of their knowledge of the Scriptures. Many Christians are trying to run their race while looking backwards, okay? Could you imagine being in the New York City Marathon, you're in the starting line with everybody, everybody's around you, and the person that starts it, they, they shoot the gun, and, and then you start looking backwards and you just start running. What would happen? Quickly, you're going to trip, you're going to fall, you're going to run into someone, and you're going to really hurt yourself if you try to run the New York City Marathon while looking backwards, okay? that That's not how you run a race. You don't run a race looking backwards. You run a race looking forward. Don't be deceived into thinking spiritual growth is a passive activity because it's not. There's nothing passive about spiritual growth. What I mean is we don't drift towards spiritual growth. What we drift towards is spiritual apathy. The New Testament has several references to spiritual growth as being a disciplined, intentional activity. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9 Verses 24 through 27, this is also Paul speaking here. And, and he writes this, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Run to win. That's what Paul says. Paul was competitive, okay? If I run a race, I'm not running to be in the middle of the pack. I'm running to win the race. And I'm going to do everything in my power to win that race. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Verse 26. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Does this passage sound like the race towards spiritual maturity and growth is a passive activity? Like, que sera, sera. Uh, that's a statement, that's a phrase I got my, from my wife a few years ago. Uh, 
<laughs> does this does anything about what I just read sound like you know passivity at all? Like whatever happens, happens. You know, if God wants me to grow spiritually, he's gonna allow it to happen. No, there's none of that. Okay. Paul tells us run to win. He says he talks about strict training. He says he doesn't run aimlessly, but with a purpose. He's not shadow boxing. He's not just aimlessly punching into the air, but when he punches, he's hitting his mark, okay? He disciplines his body. There are no illusions here as to what it takes to grow spiritually. It takes work and passion and pursuit, amen? We can't earn more acceptance from God by anything we do, okay? But it does take effort on our part to grow into spiritual maturity. In order to win, we must walk away from our past. And number two, we must imagine a new future with Christ. We must imagine a new future with Christ. Paul starts out his passage in verse 12 by saying, Not that I have already attained, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Christ, by his grace, has already laid a hold of us when he saved us from our sins. Amen? It's because of him that we can look forward joyfully to a future with glorified bodies and complete union and fellowship with Christ. We need to fill our affections knowing that Christ had, has laid hold of us by his love. We didn't find Christ. Christ found us. It isn't because of anything inside of us that we are saved. It's because the Spirit of God drew us to Jesus and we responded in faith to that drawing. Paul then says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those which are ahead. Reaching forward, Paul says. Not only are we to forget what's behind us, we are to reach forward to those things that are ahead. Amen? When we come to Christ, we are not just free from sin, but we are free to serve Christ with love. Amen? Notice that Paul here says, but one thing I do. One thing I do. We have too many Christians focused on too many things while neglecting the main thing. The phrase, one thing, is very significant to the Christian life and is found throughout Scripture. Uh, here's just three mentions of the phrase, one thing. Listen to the psalmist's declaration in Psalm 27 and 4. He says, one thing, not 63 things, one thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Psalm 62, 11 says, One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God. And then we go into the Gospels in Mark 10, verses, verse 21, um, and this is Jesus talking to the rich young ruler. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack. He said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. 
Paul says in this passage, this one thing I do, and then names two things, meaning both of these things are uh, connected and go hand in hand with each other. We must forget about our past, but that's not enough. We also need to look forward with anticipation for all that God has in store for us. Have you noticed in a vehicle, the rear view mirror is so much smaller than the windshield? Have you noticed that? Why? Because in order to successfully get where you're going, what's in front of you is more important than what's behind you. Amen? In our lives, what God has for us ahead is so much bigger than our past. What you've accomplished, what you've done, the encounters you've had with God in the past, that is nothing compared to what God has for you in your future. We, we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, amen? We must pursue this one thing more than anything else in life. Our one thing of forgetting the past and reimagining our future with Christ must inform every other area of our lives. It must inform our work life. It must inform our parenting. It must inform our marriage. It must inform how we handle our money. It must inform our commitment to church. This one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward into what God has for us in the future. Don't underestimate the power of one thing in your life. Many people never, never accomplish much in their life because they want to start with 12 things instead of starting with one thing and they get overwhelmed and they never start anything. Just focus on one thing and see how it affects many areas of your life. About 10 years ago, I cut out all sodas uh, except Sprite and I, and I really limited my intake of Sprite. Uh, I used to drink Coke, Pepsi, or Dr. Pepper with basically all of my meals and I, and I, and I, I loved I loved those sodas, uh, but I, I started feeling super bloated all the time, okay? Uh, but when I started feeling this way, I didn't, I didn't do keto. I didn't do, you know, a bunch of different things. I just, uh, I just cut out one thing, sodas, and it made a huge difference in my life. And there's nothing wrong with diets uh, and, and, and any of those things. I've done, I've done those as well. But in this instance, I just cut out one thing. I cut out sodas in my life, and it made a huge difference uh, in my life. I stopped being bloated. I lost about 10 pounds off the bat, and, and I just felt better. I cut out one thing. About two years ago, I added one component to my prayer life. I stopped listening to worship music when I prayed in the morning, and it made a huge difference in my life when I started praying in silence. I started being able to hear God clear. I started being able to process and think about what I was saying to God without being distracted by the words of the worship music. I did one thing. I added one component to my prayer life and it, and it, and it just revolutionized my prayer life. So that's, that's the second thing um, when it comes to uh, winning in this Christian life here in this world. It's it's imagining a new future with Christ. And then the third thing is never give up. Never, ever, ever, ever give up. The apostle says in verse 14, I press towards 
the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. I press means I intentionally move forward and move toward the goal and prize of the upward call of Christ on my life. Are you pressing into God right now? Today, are you pressing in to God? Are you pressing into the things of God? Paul didn't say he was coasting toward the goal or skipping toward the goal or crab walking toward the goal. Paul says, I press towards the goal of my upward call in Christ Jesus. We must determine in our heart that no matter what obstacles or hindrances come our way in this life, that we are going to press on and keep running no matter what. No matter how difficult things get, no matter how hard things get, no matter how heavy the burden is, we must determine in our heart that we're going to keep pressing forward. We must determine this in our heart and believe by faith that God will supply us with the grace, grit, and strength to keep going. Don't quit, church. Don't give up, friend. Don't stop moving. Don't allow the obstacles and the struggles and the pain of your present situation to cause you to give up, to cause you to to forfeit the race, to cause you to to run away. Don't allow anything that you're going through right now to allow you to quit. I want to show you a video of what happens if you prematurely give up or think you've arrived in a race. So watch this video. Maybe next time, wait that extra second before celebrating. A college track star learned the dangers of premature celebration. A runner from the University of Oregon thought he had the race locked up started waving, pumping up the crowd, and he was passed by a runner from the University of Washington in the final seconds, not just the final seconds, the difference with a tenth of a second. The University of Washington wins. Yeah, just a bit of a When Jesus comes into our hearts and saves us, redeems us, and erases our sins, that is not the time to say, well, that's taken care of. Let me now coast to the finish line and go to heaven. I mean, if you have that attitude, I'm not sure you'll actually make it to heaven. Uh, when we get saved, that is just the beginning of our journey. He gives us the Holy Spirit, God. He gives us spiritual gifts so that we can encourage and bless the body of Christ. He starts the process of sanctifying us, molding, shaping, and forming us uh, more and more like Jesus. Uh, he gives us the tools to run our race, but when it gets difficult, and it will, it will, maybe some of you are going through that difficult time right now, we must keep running. Got to keep running. There's just no way around it. There's just no shortcuts. There's no easy way to put it. We've just got to resolve in our heart to keep running our race. He will do everything in his power for us, the devil, the devil will do everything in his power for us to prematurely slow down. The enemy will do everything in his power to get us to quit and give up. But we must not succumb to that temptation. We must keep going. We must 
keep putting one foot in front of the other. The prize will only be given to those who persevere. The most beautiful, satisfying words a person can hear once they enter into eternity is, well done, my good and faithful servant. Those are the most beautiful words that anybody can hear once they leave this world and enter into eternity. That's why I press on. That's why I keep moving forward. That's why I refuse to give up and give in to the temptation of quitting. That's why we need to ask God every single day for grit and strength to run our race. Because at the end of my life, at the end of my time here on earth, I want to hear God say to me, Steve, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. Let me close by asking you a pointed question. Are you growing spiritually? Are you growing in your faith? Are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? Are you growing in your knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is and 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 what he's called you to do? Are you growing in your understanding of the scriptures? Is there a hunger there to know God's word more deeply? Are you growing in your prayer life? Are you growing in your communion and connection with Jesus? Let me ask you another question. Are you isolated from other believers? Have you isolated from other believers? This can be a reason why you're not spiritually growing as well, because you have isolated. And the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. And when you're isolated from other brothers and sisters in Christ, even if that's virtually on Zoom and FaceTime and, 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 and it's, it, it's where we're at right now, even if it's virtually you're connecting with other brothers and sisters, if you're isolating, that iron sharpening iron is not happening in your life. Have you been skipping Thursday night prayer? We pray every single Thursday from 7 to about 8 o'clock. We had a powerful, powerful, prophetic time of spiritual warfare and prayer this past Thursday. And God was moving and, 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 and I mean, the prophetic anointing was just there. And, and church, if you need to be a part of that. And we've been dwindling down little by little on prayer, but Guys, that is so important. Everything else that we're going to accomplish in ministry has got to be birthed out of prayer. And so if you want to see a move of God in your life, come and, and log on from the comfort of your own home and log on and pray with us. Amen? Have you been taking advantage of the book study my wife is doing? My wife is about to start another book study and, and she's been having an amazing time with a, with a bunch of women uh, just going through books and going through discipleship and, and her next book study. Uh, uh, it's not just for women. Anybody can join. Are you taking advantage of these opportunities? Are you engaging in the chat on Facebook on Sunday mornings and on the chat in, in the lobby party? You need to be doing this. I know it might not seem like, like a significant thing, or you might think, why is it important that I write in there? It's community, church. It's, it's, it's connecting with other people in the church family. It, it makes a huge difference. It makes a difference from me when I'm communicating with Willie and, and Christian and Ticho and, 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 and the other people that are, that are 
writing stuff in and, 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 and they're typing things when the message is happening and you just feel this sense of, of camaraderie. And so I want to encourage you to, to take advantage of these things. Stop isolating yourself. That, that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to isolate you. Then he wants to pour shame on you. Then he wants, uh, he wa- you know, he wants to do all sorts of things and start lying to you in your head. And, and that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. So don't allow him to do it. Don't isolate yourself. Connect with other brothers and sisters of the faith in your church community and your church family. We're in a weird season where we're not quite able to come together yet, but we must take advantage of the opportunities we have to connect instead of complaining about them. I I just, I hear so much complaining about Zoom and FaceTime and, and all of the different ways that we have to connect right now, but that's just where we're at right now. That's just where, where we're at, where it's not going to be forever, but it is right now. And so this is the way we connect. And the truth is when we were meeting in person, we were having the same problem. We were having to try to convince people not to isolate themselves and come and join. And so this is not a, this is not a, um, it's not a Zoom problem. It's a complaining problem. And it's just, it's just a, a just, just do it problem. Be like Nike and just do it. Just connect. Okay. Because whether we we're live and meeting in person or not, it's a struggle. Okay. We feel like, you know, we feel like we don't want to do it. We're tired. We're weary. We're worn out. And so it's not a it's not a screen problem. It's an us problem of just us saying, you know what? There is a benefit to me, iron sharpening iron, and I'm just going to get involved. Okay, so I want to encourage you and challenge you to do that. As we close out today, here are Paul's three keys to win in our spiritual race. And I I don't know if you noticed, but I use the acronym WIN in my outline today for the W. Walk away from our past. Got to walk away. Forget those things which are behind us. Number two, imagine a new future with Christ. It's not enough just to walk away from our past, but we've got we've to move forward into what God has for us. The rearview mirror is much smaller than the windshield, okay? So we should not be looking. It's, it's, it's important to look to our past sometimes, but a majority of the time we need to look forward into what God is doing in the future. And then for the third thing, for the end, never give up. Just don't give up. Just don't quit. Just don't stop running. Keep moving forward and you will see God do amazing things in your life. Let's pray. Thank you for being with us at TGP NYC. You can listen to other sermons on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are available. For further details about the Grace Place, please visit tgp.nyc.